Please turn in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 3 for our Old Testament lesson. God, speaking of the very beginning of time, after the creation of humankind. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God actually say, you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate. Then the eyes of both were opened And they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. He said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? The man said, The woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me the fruit of the tree, and I ate. Then the Lord God said to the woman, What is this that you have done? The woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. The Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and above all beasts of the field. On your belly you shall go, and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. To the woman he said, I will surely multiply your pain in childbearing. In pain you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be for your husband, and he shall rule over you. And to Adam he said, Because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you. And you shall eat the plants of the field. 
By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. The man called his wife's name Eve, because she was the mother of all living. And the Lord God made for Adam and for his wife garments of skin and clothed them. Thus far, the reading of God's word. Please turn now to our New Testament reading in Ephesians chapter 5. Paul's letter to the Ephesians chapter 5, beginning with verse 1. God speaking to us through the apostle. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you as is proper among saints. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or who is covetous, that is, an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not become partners with them. For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of life is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore it says, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Thus far, the reading of God's word. Let's pray together. God, our Father, we thank you for your love for us in Christ. We thank you for your word to teach us of Christ and of how we must live for him and not for ourselves. Lord, we are so easily vulnerable to temptation, so easily led astray by empty words. Please let your word Shine a light on the path that we should walk in serving you this day. 
Open our eyes that we would behold Christ. May the words of my mouth and the thoughts of all of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. I was moved by the video clip of the children this morning singing. They are the future of the church. And I would hope that we all would want to do whatever we could to make sure that they find their way home to the Lord Jesus Christ. There's another video clip that has been viral this past summer when a man by the name of Scott Smith was arrested for disorderly conduct at the June 22nd Loudoun County, Virginia school board meeting. It became Exhibit A in a public campaign to discredit conservative parents protesting transgender-affirming bathroom policies in their schools. And it, in fact, was cited in a letter from the National School Board Association to the Justice Department claiming that this kind of behavior was the equivalent of domestic terrorism. Yet within the past few weeks, public sentiment towards Scott Smith has completely reversed itself so that his actions now are viewed by many quite sympathetically and somewhat heroically. Why? What was it that changed? Well, it was finally revealed that his outburst was not simply an obnoxious parent trying to throw their weight around, but that when the school superintendent had said there was no record of any assaults in women's bathrooms, that he knew the superintendent was lying because Scott Smith's daughter had been assaulted by a boy wearing a skirt going into the girl's bathroom. And that furthermore, that student had been quickly transferred to another school where he again assaulted another female student, albeit he was presenting himself as a female. One of the deepest emotions of the human heart is a parent's concern for the safety of their children and a desire to do anything 
to protect them. I'm not speaking this morning at all of the whole issue of transgender students and the personal struggles and trials that they face. I am speaking about one of the deepest human emotions, which is that of a parent to protect their child, to preserve the welfare of their children. Now, it's important that we keep this in mind as we come to our text in Ephesians chapter 5, where Paul, in his letter, has been appealing to the church to be the church. In the first three chapters, he described the church in elevated theological language of all that God intended for the church to be. And then in chapter 4, he began applying it and saying, now if this is what you are, become what you are. And he has just presented at the end of chapter 4 a picture of what it looks like to belong to God, to be a part of his people, to be his church in very practical terms. And he sums it up now at the beginning of chapter 5 by saying, Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. The picture that he had just painted of what the church ought to be like is a picture of what God is like. He says, as beloved children. Children love to imitate their parents. That's how they learn. Now, if you're on the outside looking in, it, it's, it can be rather hilarious to watch little kids trying to imitate their parents. And as they grow up, it's amazing how much they look like and take on the same mannerisms as their parents. From the inside, sometimes our kids adopt some of our less proud mannerisms or comments that they try to imitate. And then we wish they wouldn't imitate us so much. But what he's saying here is that we should be imitators of God because we are his children, his beloved children. And that means that we walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God, a pleasing offering to God. That's what we, that's what we ought to be like. That's what God wants for his children, for them to follow him, to, to be like him, to, to reveal him as they go about their daily lives. And it's in this context, therefore, that he suddenly speaks to that which threatens his children. He says, but sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you as is proper among saints. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place. 
But instead, let there be thanksgiving, for you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or who is covetous, that is, an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes on the sons of disobedience. Two children are in view here, the Son of God and sons of disobedience. And, and he, what he is saying here is that these things threaten his children. These things, sexual immorality, impurity, covetousness, they are so dangerous. They ought not to be named among you. Not that we should never speak about them, but we ought not to describe them in graphic detail other than to warn people that these things are dangerous. He says, as is proper among saints. Now, in large portions of the Christian church in the world, saints are elevated Christians. They are the super Christians, the heroes we're to look up to. But in the Bible, the word saints means holy ones, and it's a word to refer to Christians. Everyday, ordinary Christians, you are the saints being referred to here. And what is fitting among you? That sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you. Now, some believe that covetousness is thrown in because it's talking about the lusting of other people. Like in the Tenth Commandment, do not covet your neighbor's wife. I think, however, it's not necessarily that narrowly restricted, but it is pointing out that at the heart of all immorality and impurity is a covetous heart. It is a wanting for oneself. It is not a giving to others. That's why he contrasts all these evidences of a filthy heart, one that is self-seeking, self-gratifying, with thanksgiving. Because the heart of a child of God is grateful to God. It's not consumed with oneself. It's hard to be thankful to someone else when you are all focused on yourself because you have no reason to give thanks. You deserve it all. The reason I set forth this concern for our children is because it is very easy even for Christian people to react against a criticism of impurity and immorality as being a speaking down don't tell me what to do there are have been some 
within the broader Christian umbrella that have even argued that once we're in Christ, then we don't need to worry how we live because we have grace and we can do whatever we want. Some in this time period in around in Ephesians even said that the body is basically evil. Therefore, since it's going to be thrown away when we die, we can just go ahead and act out whatever we want. It doesn't matter. That's just what the body is. But it's in that arena of gross sexual immorality. Artemis was the god of the Ephesians. Uh, It was apparently a meteorite that fell to the earth from the sky and it uh, had... Uh, many bumps on it that were said to be uh, many different multiple parts of female anatomy. She was the goddess of love, promoting love, and immorality was rampant. It seems that our own world is becoming more and more consumed with immorality and wickedness and evil. And so Paul speaks out against this kind of evil. Not on the basis of competing authorities, but rather as the protection of children of God as his children. And so we need to hear the apostle here as he tells us, not to be deceived with empty words. Because our hearts are fallen, we're easily tempted, and we easily justify ourselves about any number of things. I've heard it said, well, about certain movies, you know, the acting was real good. Or the story was really a very good story. And the point is, is that the apostle says this is so dangerous for us to be drawn into impurity and sexual immorality that it not ought to even be heard among us. It ought not to be identified with us in any way. Some people say, well, in order to, to reach the culture, we have to, uh, to immerse ourselves in the culture in order, in order to argue and to appeal. I don't believe that Jesus ever felt the need to immerse himself in the immorality of his culture in order to reveal himself to the people around him. He was the son of God. And we are sons and daughters of God because of Christ. And and we have to be careful about these things because we tend to think we're stronger than we really are. Why do you think it was 
that homosexuality became accepted as the majority view of our culture and the homosexual marriage so quickly. I mean, as late as the around 2010, President Obama himself said that he favored traditional marriage. How did it How did it happen that that switched so quickly in our culture? Well, it it was because of the stories. The stories in television and the stories in movies. Where people that favored these particular leanings were portrayed as very nice people. Great neighbors. You might even say the salt of the earth. And who were the nasty ones? The wicked ones. The cruel ones. Those that tried to rob them of pursuing their feelings the way they wanted to pursue them. And so younger people grew up watching movies and seeing things in which they were the good guys. There's nothing wrong with these people. They're nice. Friends, the question is not who is and isn't nice, and I will be more than willing to admit that many, many unbelievers are nicer people than professing Christians. But it's about what is good and right. And and Paul here is speaking of the dangers. It shouldn't even be named among you. It's proper that saints not be tarred with this kind of ugliness, this kind of perversion. He says, let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, even even dirty jokes, even talking in a funny way, putting down marriage or... or, uh, putting down people for their appearance. It sets a stage for an attitude about what God has made holy. You get dragged into it because it just becomes part of the regular conversation, part of the normal story of life. These things happen. People do these things. I never saw one episode of Games of Thrones. But there were a number of prominent Christians arguing quite vociferously in social media that this was a good series that people ought to watch. The reason I never watched one of them is that I read the first book upon which it was based. And at that point in time, I had the stubborn habit of deciding I had to finish any book I started. I've since come to see that I don't need to finish every book that I start and that I'd be better off not finishing books. But I knew what was in that movie. I knew that I I couldn't handle that. But I I heard all kinds of arguments. Oh, the acting was, the, the plot line was ingenious showing the kind of human conflicts and this and that and the other thing. 
I just don't understand, friends. And some Christians would be offended if I said you ought not to watch that movie based on what I've heard about it. Other Christians, other Christians watch things like Sex in the City. Perhaps some of you watch, I don't know your viewing habits. I'm not trying to step on toes for the sake of stepping on toes, but Paul is very explicit here that you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure, who is covetous, has no inheritance of the kingdom of God, of Christ and God. It's a dangerous thing to play around with pornography. And pornography is pornos, which is the word sexual immorality, which means anything that is illicit. God created man as male and female. He created them good. It's not that sex is bad. It's that pornography is bad. Taking that which is beautiful and destroying it. That's what Satan did in the garden. He took man's creation made in the image of God and he twisted it and turned it by clever speech. The kind of... The word crude joking here is, is really the word witty speech. Sometimes it can be used positively, of positive. Some people always have a response to whatever you say, and they're very witty and very clever. But this is talking about witty speech that can turn things always negative, make something evil of something good, make it all about immorality and Impulsive desires. And he says, anyone who can be, is caught up in that, for whom that is a reality, will not inherit the kingdom of God. This is about salvation, friends. It's about what's taking over your minds and your hearts. It's about how are you looking at life. And when we look at life through our modern cultural lens, it is filled with filth. And Paul is concerned for his children that they not be subjected to that. He says, do not become partners with them. Don't become one of the gang, part of the club. He says, at one time you were darkness. To be tempted by these things is very natural. Because of our sinful nature, we all have an interest, a curiosity, a desire. But he says, now you are light in the Lord. And now he gives us this image of being children of light. We're not only children of God, but children of light. That's who we are, having been made new in Christ. We've been adopted by God. Our hearts have been transformed. And now we are to be children of light. And so we're to walk consistently. Not looking like darkness, but letting light shine through us. And he says the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. 
and all that is involved in pornography, even soft porn of much of contemporary TV and movies, is not about the good and the right and the true. It, it creates longings. It creates dissatisfaction. It says you really shouldn't be happy with the life that you have. There are other things that are more exciting out there for you. If only you were look for them. He says, take no part in unfruitful works of darkness. Following that way of thinking. Walking in the dark, it's unfruitful. He says, let no one deceive you with empty words. Because of, for because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon you. These are not just dirty jokes. These are soul-destroying patterns that if they take hold of your life, they show that you have never been a child of God, a child of light. God's children look like him. My children look like me, for better, for worse. I'm glad at least they have Nancy to look like. But children of God look like God and ought not to be revealing themselves in this way. He says, take no part in those unfruitful works, but rather expose them. Now, we expose them in two ways. The first way we expose them is by not being like them, but by letting the light shine in us, by not giving in to the impulses for evil desires. But the other way to expose them is to declare them to be the emptiness that they are. Many years ago, there was a missionary who apparently he and his wife were having uh, difficulty in their uh, intimacy And so a counselor told them, well, what you need to do is you need to put pictures of Playboy in your bedroom on the wall. Empty words, let them not deceive you. Oh, so-and-so is a Christian. What they say must, must be true, must be helpful. Friends, the danger is around us. We just get sucked into the whole motion and movement. And Paul here, though, is saying, when anything is exposed by the light, when we reject the way of darkness, no matter how curious we are. He says, when it's exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. In a way, he's saying that light has a transforming power. That light in shining upon the darkness can turn the darkness into light. Rather than us pursuing the darkness because we're unsatisfied with the light. Because someone has suggested that the light is not really what we want. That's what Satan did in the garden. 
And that's what voices are telling us all around in our culture. It's a good plot, good computer graphics. We can make all sorts of excuses. And we can stumble in such simple ways. I had a pastor friend here in Cumberland, and he was a great guy. He really was. He was, so, he was funny, but he told a lot of jokes about the foibles of marriage. He would exaggerate the differences between men and women and make jokes about those differences. Sometimes even joking, maybe divorce was the only way out. It was hard, but I went up to him and I said, friend, marriage is under such attack today. Don't make fun of it. We need to build it up. It wasn't long after that when he lost his position because on his office computer was found all sorts of pornography. Paul says in another place, therefore, take heed when you stand, lest you fall. We can think that we're strong enough to oppose it. But here in this passage, friends, Paul is pounding and pounding and pounding against the danger and the deadliness of immorality and of impurity and the covetousness that drives it. We have to be careful. But God has made us children of light. That's what we are. We don't need to succumb to the darkness. We don't need to believe the lie. We don't need to be betrayed by arguments suggesting that that which is dark is really light. But rather we can let the light shine. At the end here in verse 14, he says, therefore it says, and it's an interesting quote that he gives because it's, it's not an exact quote from any place in the Old Testament. And normally this is the formula when he's bringing in the Old Testament arguments. But what it, do, it's, what it does do is it brings together different thoughts from Isaiah. And Paul was, as an apostle, he loved the prophet Isaiah. And, and so... Awake, O sleeper, may have been influenced by Isaiah 26, 19, and um, rising from the dead in Christ shining on you comes from Isaiah 60, verses 1, rise, shine, for your light has come and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. Friends, on our own, the influence of our culture, we can't stand alone. We're going to be overwhelmed. The waves are slamming into us and we're going to move. The sand on which we're standing 
unless we're on the rock of God's word and holding on to the Lord, we're going to be shifted. We're going to be moved. But he's speaking here to the church. We need to encourage one another to be children of light, not to succumb. And if you're tempted, you need to tell one another of your temptation. You need to ask for help. You need to ask for prayer. You can justify pornography however you want. You're lying to yourself. You're lying to others. It will not give you what it promises. It will only destroy you and leave you shattered at the end. Paul is speaking to the church and he's concerned of these things rising in the church. It's not just unbelievers that get tripped up by these things. It's believers. So let's not follow the lie. Let's not think we're sophisticated enough that we can handle it. We're mature enough. We are children of light, beloved children who are to imitate our Heavenly Father. We don't need to follow the darkness. And we have God's own Spirit given to us to help us in our hearts. Let us be the light and not the darkness. Let's be children of God. That's what we are. Let's show the world what we are. Let's be different from the world. We don't need to follow their ways. We don't need their approval and approbation. What we do need is to find out what pleases God. And that's what Paul is telling us here. This is what pleases God. That we walk in the light. That we have nothing to do with the evil. Not that we, one last caveat here. This is not saying you don't associate with non-Christians because they're evil. I mean, Paul elsewhere says to do that, you'd have to leave the world. But he's talking about being partners with those that promote what is evil. Yes, we can talk to non-Christians. We can explain why we don't like certain things. And there are many, many things that can trip us up. I said I don't uh, watch those movies. That doesn't make me holy because I don't. Someone else does. I can get tripped up by books. As I said, I finished the first book in that series. And I'll be honest with you, images from that book still are imprinted on my mind. Not often. But I have to, it is a choice that each one of us needs to make. And certain ones of us will be tripped up by some things and certain of us will be tripped up by other things. But we can't do it alone. We need one another. We need the church. We need one another to remind us who we really are as beloved children of God. 
And so let's be those beloved children. Let's see one another as those little ones that we don't want to be lost. We don't want to come to harm. And let us please the Lord who made us for his glory. Let's pray. Lord, we, we desperately do need your help. Because the temptation is all around us. Pornography is almost as near as our heart because our phones in our pockets are right next to our heart and our smartphones are not always very smart. But they open doorways to things that we don't need to know, we don't need to see, but we're often curious. Lord, please make us more curious about what pleases you than about images and thoughts that might make us curious. May our delight be in you. Let not there be a hint of so much of the evil that is around us. Help us not to be deceived into thinking be deceived that we, to be relevant, we have to know about all these things in detail. We need your light to shine on us. We need not to be dull and asleep, letting these things entangle us. We need to remember that Christ loved us and gave himself for us. He died for us to make us your children. May we not dishonor our birthright, but may we ever, ever increasingly seek to make it our own. By your grace, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Our hymn of commitment today, number 532, Teach Me, O Lord, Thy Holy Way.